The Adventure Jogger, a podcast about trail and ultra running. Meet fascinating runners from the front, middle, and back of the pack, sharing inspiring and funny stories about life and running. Running should be fun, and so should running podcasts. I'm your host, Ryan Pluckelman, and this is The Adventure Jogger. Welcome to The Adventure Jogger, everybody. The Coca-Dona 250, by the way, if you're living under a rock, you have no idea what this race is, but for whatever reason, it dominates social media, and it's two years of existence. Everybody's talking about it. Everybody's following along. It's become a very popular race for runners from all over the world to come and test their idea of what they believe is possible. 250 plus miles through Arizona starts in Prescott, Arizona, ends in Flagstaff, Arizona. One of the athletes that towed the line this year has been on the Adventure Jogger before. Look up the earlier episode called Adventure Jogging Across New Jersey, and you will get a little backstory on my guest. But it's been a long time since he's been on. We got to catch up with uh, Rhode Island's very own Cole Crosby is my guest on this episode of the Adventure Jogger. Welcome, Cole. Ryan, thank you so much for having me. It's been a long time, my friend. It has. Last time we talked, you just decided, and this was during the the, the, the pandemic, and you were an early mm-hmm. guest on the podcast. If you go to theadventurejogger.com, go to episodes, and you can find Cole's episode in the back episodes. But you did what a lot of people did during the early part of the pandemic. You said, okay, I'm going to try something on my own. I'm going to do a, it's not a race. I'm just going to run across New Jersey. It was like 197 miles altogether your run, right? Yeah, I, I couldn't get enough. So I was like, hey, I'm just going to sign up for Cocodona, which funny enough, it was a, uh, you know, these things aren't cheap, right? <laughs> no, and- can I ask, dare I ask what the entry fee of the Cocodona 250 is? Uh, it was for about $1,400 for me, which was a Christmas gift from my wife. So, you know, she is not only my crew chief, but man, she is just the most amazing woman out there in the universe. You know, I got that for Christmas, so can't complain. <laughs> okay, Colt. So I have to know now, <laughs> she got you a $1,400 race entry. What did you get her for Christmas? Baliga socks. <laughs> 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 that was that was that was the that's what i can remember um i'm gonna be paying her back the rest of my life <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine i just want everyone to stop for a minute and i want you to imagine it's it, it's it's christmas morning at, at the crosby house you know and and there's exciting things going on you know let's open up some presents and then cole's wife hands him her gift he opens it up Oh my God, $1,400 entry into the Coca Dona 250. At that point, Cole, are you happy? But also, like, shit, I just got her socks. Uh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, no, I was, I was totally floored because, um, you know, after watching it the first year, I was just like, doing something like this was kind of a bucket list thing. And, it really kind of surprised me. And then I'm like, shit, what did I, uh, I, I need to be a better husband, you know, I need to step up my game. Because <laughs> not only is she, you know, she gave you the entry fee, 
But she's also said, I'm going to be your crew chief, meaning I am going to follow you around in the in the Arizona wilderness for however long it takes. It took you four days and changed or three days and changed to get it done. Uh, less than four days. But that's a lot. Crewing any ultra is a lot. But crewing a 250-mile race, that's a whole new level of, of dedication, Cole. Was she excited to be on board, or was this kind of like, well, this is what I married? Oh, no, she's she's uh, my biggest supporter. I mean, she I think she takes crewing to a whole nother level. Yeah. Um, I mean, if crewing was a professional sport, I think she would be like the first signed professional because she just... I mean, she just knows me so well and man, the way she whips my ass in the shape when I really need it, need the hard, the hard talk, right. you know, um, she just gets me going. So, um, yeah, I mean, she's awesome. I would think too, that if you and, and your, and your spouse can handle that, if she can handle seeing you at your worst. And so take, take what you did in New Jersey and multiply that by two. I know it's not distance wise, but just the terrain the altitude, just the just the nature of that race, she is going to see you at your lowest low. She is going to see you at your absolute worst. And if and obviously she's still around. I checked your Facebook page. You're still married. So I think that's a good sign that you can probably make it through anything if you can make it through a 250-mile ultra. Yeah, we're rock solid, just like all those rocks out there in damn Arizona. <laughs> all right. So let's talk a bit about training for this race. How did you approach training for this that was a little different than what you did in new jersey yeah so um kind of a great question great story is you know i'm a snowshoe runner right so my off season i train on the snow Mm -hmm. and what's what's a cool kind of thing to do is to try and run 100 miles on snowshoes so i i signed up for this like joe decina kind of race at his family farm yeah and the race is designed pretty much to make you fail like virtually i ran this race in the middle of a blizzard (laughs) ashley it was like complete crew boss because it just, it wasn't super, it was organized, but it wasn't, it could have been more organized if that makes, you know know what I mean? Right. And, uh, I I mean, I was fighting hypothermia. It was like minus 20 wind chill and like, you're going up this mountain, uh, like 18 times. Ultimately I get timed out. Weird technicality, long story. Um, but I did 90 miles with about 40,000, close to 40,000 feet of elevation gain in snowshoes, 31 hours. So that was how I trained for Cocodona. I was like, shit, if I can endure this and do this, and if Ashley was able to take care of me the way that she did and adapt, we can do anything. So I really felt super prepared coming into the race. And, you know, I, we have a hot tub at home. Yeah. So like my, my sauna training is I go for a run and then hang out in the hot tub and drink a beer. Well, that sounds so miserable, like, Cole. I don't know how you yeah. do it. <laughs> that's, that's what Rhode Island like. That's what living in the ocean state's all about, you know? <laughs> so was was there a moment in that snowshoe race, Cole, where the absurdity of your situation hits you, where you're in snowshoes battling hypothermia to train for a race in the desert? Yeah, the, the answer is a half mile in because the snow was up to my waist and I was breaking trail up this dang mountain. And I was like, well, I was trying to run under 24 hours, but this isn't going to happen. <laughs> I was like, screw this. What kind of race is this? Um, but things things got better as we got to pack down the trail. But no, you're totally right. Like it doesn't it doesn't make a lot of sense. 
But in a way, at least in my thought processes, it did. Yeah. And honestly, it really did prepare me for this race. My legs, let me tell you this, after 250 miles to Arizona, my legs weren't sore. My legs were never sore. Really? Yeah. Do you attribute that to to snowshoeing or do you do other things as well, like other type of free weights and, and leg stuff? Yeah, I started working with some coaches, um, Anthony and Lindsay. Um, they have this cool like fitness apparatus called Stack Tracks. Yeah, shout out to them. But um, they really got my. You know, I would do these crazy runs where I do like thirty miles. I'd run ten miles and do like a Spartan workout, like a yeah, you know, crazy stuff. And um, that really helped out a ton. And then um, just having the confidence that I survived that snowshoe run, I was like, I'm like. Man, and now since they changed the course, I'm like, man, this Cocodona thing is becoming soft, right? <laughs> I was like, I got this. 250 miles, okay, bring it on. We can do this. Um, but again, you know, I, I'm coming from 88 feet above sea level. So there are certain things about the race that kind of bit me in the ass that I just didn't anticipate, which is part of the epic story. Yeah, we'll go blow by blow here in a second. Yeah. I, I do think we, we may want to edit your coach's names out of the podcast, not because I don't want to give free plugs. They may not want to know that you ran a snowshoe race to prepare for a desert race. Like they're going, oh man, they're, no one's going to take us seriously. So what's funny about that is that they, I met them at the snowshoe race. Oh, that's, that's, okay. how, I, that's how they became my coaches. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, they're fine. It's fine. Okay, good. good. Like, don't tell them. Don't tell them. I told you to run a snowshoe race to train for the desert. All right. So. You get out there. You're, this is the wonderful Christmas gift. You know, she's probably wearing her nice Belega socks. They were $20. She's wearing them on the flight over to Arizona. <laughs> you, you, you get there. Do you get there early or do you? Because I, I know they say with altitude, and I don't know. what What is the average altitude on that course? Um, the low end is 3,000, but you're only there for like 10 miles. Uh-huh. I mean, really, 5,000 is kind of like the, the really the main lowest. Okay. You know, you go up to like nine thousand, but you're you're up at quote unquote somewhat elevation. Okay, so it's not it's not something like Hard Rock where you're in the the fifteens and what have you. But still, I know a lot of of beast coasters always worry about that altitude in in the equation. And I know there there's a lot of different schools of thought on beast coasting the altitude. Um, I, I'm a firm believer that high humidity training is is a substitute for altitude training i think the i think the science is there i've seen people do it i've seen people train in high, in high humidity high heat do really well in an altitude with no adjustment period whatsoever you didn't have that opportunity though because there, you know coca donut happens was just a couple weeks ago so there was really no hot humid days in rhode island where you were able to take advantage of that high humidity training to give you that poor man's altitude training. So did you get there like the day before? Did you go there a couple of days out to get adjusted? How did you decide yeah. to deal with that? Yeah, so that's also a cool story. Um, I, I I ended up staying at home and I flew out um, on a Friday. So it was like three, four days before the race. Mm-hmm. The race started on a Monday. My wife, I mean, she's the apple of my eyes. Yeah. She ended up taking our Kia Telluride and driving all the way from Rhode Island to Arizona, stopping, you know, I met her, I went to school at the University of Oklahoma. Um, She stopped in Oklahoma and Arkansas to see family. And then, and while while still working, while still doing her grad grad degree, I mean, she's the busiest person I know. 
And she ended up driving all, all of our supplies, everything I needed out to Arizona, met me at the airport in Phoenix. My dad flew in, picked us all up, and then we got situated. So what a, I mean, what a hero, right? Yeah, Cole, I say this at the risk of ever losing the opportunity to have Belega Socks be our sponsor, but you got to up your game, man. <laughs> you, you, owe this woman, you owe this woman a little something more, a little something nicer next year. I mean, give her like a like a, Corex, a Coros Vertex 2 or something, or maybe a couple of them. I, I, I don't know. Wow. That is, that's love, ladies and gentlemen. Cole Crosby's wife drove across the country while he just got on a plane. He's like, man, that's not that bad at all. What was that, about eight hours? And she took days to get there. So she picks you up at the airport. She's happy to see her Cole. Got those Blega socks on. They they made the trip super awesome. And she's excited to see you. You see you sit around town for a while. You, you, you know, you, you relax a bit because you've got a big task ahead of you. Let's go to that start line. What were your intentions at the start line? Everybody has kind of those A, B, and C goals for a race. What was your ideas? What were your goals for, for Coca Dona? So I felt ready, right? Mm-hmm. I, um, in many ways, wanted to try to champion the, the Beast Coast, the East Coast as much as I could and say, hey, I might live in Rhode Island, yeah. but I can throw down with some of the best of them and just wanted to try to do my best to put the East Coast on the map, you know, run yeah. with some of those mountain runners and show them that we can throw down too. And uh, so I had a time goal. Um, honestly, it got thrown out the window as soon as I started running because we all went out too fast. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, I was hoping to make some noise. I was shooting for top five. Ultimately, it was mm-hmm. like, that was like, you know, if, if I executed my plan perfectly, that's where I probably would have landed. You were hoping that when Jam Jam did his next episode of Mountain Outhouse, he would be like, who's this Cole Crosby? You know, like put your name on the map, make people take a look at some of the some of the great runners out here on the Beast Coast. Let's see if that plan uh, actually happened. Cole, you, you, you teased it a little bit. The gun goes off in Prescott. And all of a sudden, the reality of the situation ahead of you is now smacking you right across the face. You've got 250 plus miles to go. Let's start right from the gun. How'd it go? I mean, so far, pretty good out of the gates. I mean, I was running with all the fast guys, Eric Sensman, you know, who I've run with when I first got into ultras yeah. at the Tussie Mountain back in 2013. And, you know, I was running with Michael Versteeg. He was the guy who won last time. I was run, uh, running with Mike McKnight. I was running with all, all those guys. And the pace felt conversational, felt easy. Yeah. Right? I started looking at my watch more and more, and I'm saying nine, ten-minute mile, nine-minute mile, ten-minute mile, again and again and again. I'm like thinking – well, this will equate to about like an 18, 17, 18 hour hundred. We can't keep this up. Like, I don't care if this course is supposed to be faster. It's not going to happen. And, uh, you know, I'm running faster than what I averaged for New Jersey. And that was on the roads for the most part and uh, nowhere near as technical footing and um, a lot less distance. And I'm thinking, shit, this is going to be a long day. And it became like that, especially by the time I got to you know, I'm running with Mike Midnight some more. And by the time I got to like mile 30 or so, um, we hit a big climb and this is going through this section called skull Valley, which sounds like perfect name for dying. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, uh, I get, we get to the top of the climb and I just get sucker punched and I'm just like, what is, and I had to slow down. I had to do some walking and running and I'm thinking, 
I feel like garbage right now. How am I going to keep going for another, you know, 220 miles? Yeah. Right. And then I get passed by a really fast woman named Sarah O. Mm-hmm. It's a long name. It's hard to pronounce. Yeah. From Aravipa. Jabil's there uh, doing the live feed. And of course I pick it up. Like, <laughs> you know, when you're, when you're on live television, of course you're going <laughs> to make a move. And we're doing like 740 running down this, this uh, dirt road. And I'm thinking, well, this isn't smart, um, <laughs> but I don't care. I'm doing it anyway. And, uh, you know, that first day I just wrestled with stomach issues. I had a great nutrition plan. Uh, I usually eat whole foods, but the whole foods just were not sticking, right? Yeah. Um, you try to eat pickles because maybe that's going to help. And I puked that up and was like, well, this is going to be a real, real suffer fest. Um, <laughs> and honestly, that's how the first uh, first 60 miles of the thing w- uh, was. Um, I just, my stomach was on the fritz. And once I came into the main crew station, the yeah. whiskey row, which is like where you take shots of whiskey, which I did the day before, because <laughs> you can't do it th- during the race. It's a little bit crazy. Some people did. And uh, yeah, I came in there and I had my tail between my legs. I'm like, how am I going to continue on? I had a real mental breakdown and leave it, leave it to my crew, leave it to my wife, Ashley, and leave it to my dad to kind of like s- slap me too and say, hey, like you're still in this. Let's get you back on track. Um, and I kind of had that moment of saying, well, the solid foods, they're not kicking it. So I got to do liquid calories and we started to do, I, I signed with, uh, you can, so I did yeah, like a protein yeah. shake, mm-hmm. that protein shake cash money. The, the smartest move that I made in that race nutritionally was to say at every crew aid station, I need a protein shake. Yeah. Um, because I was got tons of calories, great nutrients. And I was able to keep, keep that stuff down the whole entire time. And my stomach turned around. Well, that's that's interesting, and and that's one of those products that they do not sponsor this podcast. That's why we don't we don't do sponsorships because that way we feel if we if we say something's legit, we mean it's actually legit. And you yeah. can is a product that I know my, my buddies and I we've all used, and that protein stuff really can pull you out of some some pretty dark places. But you have to be thinking. 60 miles in you've made a boatload of mistakes 60 miles in uh you went out way too fast uh you're running with mike mcknight he's the low carb runner he's not gonna have any food for you you know if you're hungry like hey dude you got you got some can i borrow some food i'm a little hungry no he doesn't have any food on him he doesn't eat anything you know and then you're clicking off miles way faster than you thought you know because you had that that mindset of okay i want to put myself on the map i want to represent the beast coast eric sensman's mustache is looking fantastic i want to make sure i see enough of that so 60 miles in do you do you look at it at that point now go back in time you're pulling into that aid station with two with 190 miles to go basically what you ran across new jersey and you're feeling like garbage is that those miles, those slow miles leading up to that aid station, is there any thought in your head of, of, of calling it a day? No, not at all. I mean, when you, when you get a Christmas present for $1,400 for Cocodona, you better get your money for, <laughs> right, for one. Right, for one. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so that was ringing in my head loud and, loud and clear the majority of the time. And I also... I did this as in a way as like a vision quest, right? Like yeah. I, I, what I've learned is these two hundreds, like they push you well beyond just like your standard one hundred mm-hmm. in in such a unique way. And 
Um, I just, I craved that. I yearned that. Right. And I, I told myself at the least Sedona is such a magical place, those red rocks and stuff. I was like, at the very least, if I am totally wrecked, I have to get the Sedona because that is like the, the creme de la creme of this, this course. Yeah. I got to get there at least. Um, so that, that was pulling me like, mm. you know, uh, these races, you can take time and still make up time. Right. Um, I gave up a ton of time, but that's okay because at the end of the day, I was still able to move forward, you know? Mm-hmm. All right. So, so 60 miles, you take that protein shake, that protein you can, your crew is there to get you going. Your wife lifts up her, her pant leg just a little bit so you can see the Belega socks. So you know that you can't screw this up. This is a lot of pressure on Cole Crosby to finish this wonderful Christmas present that he's been given. So spirits type uh, start to pick up for you and now move us through 60 onward. Yeah, so it's all through the night. You go through this section called the Granite Dells, which is like really cool, like rocks and stuff. It's dark. So you, and in Arizona, when it's dark, it's dark. You mm-hmm. can't see Jack. Right. And um, I just started running on that road section, got into the the park, and then I just like ran into like a mosh pit of people. I caught up to everybody and was like, "What the heck is going <laughs> on? Like, how did I miss this party?" <laughs> and everyone's just like, it, it was like a. I've never run Havelina, but it's probably like a scene from Havelina where everyone's got like blinking lights and they're just like high-fiving, like just like chatting and having fun. And uh, I connected back up with Sarah O again. Mm -hmm. She's one beast of a woman. And uh, I ran with her and her pacer. And then we kind of like, I had trekking poles at this point. I was like, screw this. I'm not taking any chances. I'm using my Amazon trekking poles because (laughs) Lucky are too expensive. Because <laughs> uh, he wasn't getting them for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, those trekking poles, I'm telling you, they saved, saved my ass big time. And uh, I was moving through the terrain really well, uh, running with Sarah and her pacer. And we kind of went through the pack and we just kept like pushing the pace and um, felt really good. You know, stomach was was fine. And um, the night the night sections were kind of um, in a way, like for the most part, those are when I came alive. Like that's when I really started moving and um uh, i remember getting to um one of the last well me and sarah had a really fast i was like let's throw down one fast mile we throw out like a 846 mile or something like that which you know when you're doing like anywhere between 10 to 15 minutes like the 846 is, is spicy right oh yeah we get to the aid stations and you know just doing my normal fueling routine my sleep strategy was like to take quick naps so like 10 minutes here, 15 minutes there, that kind of thing. If I felt like I needed a refresher and that worked out great. Um, so I did one of those. Um, I went out and this, at this point, it's about the second morning. Yeah. Um, and you're, we're going through like this, like Fane ranch spot and there's like tons of cactuses and all this crap. And it's like, it should be fast, but it's not. Cause you, you if you step wrong, your foot is just like totally picked up by these cactuses. Right. Um, and so I'm kind of like walking, running, trying to follow the flags and the sun's coming up and you're just like by this highway. It's a really sexy part of the course. And then Mike McKnight and his, his pacer, Ben Light, come up behind me. Oh, yeah. And ben, Light, ben Light's got this beard that like is like epic, right? Ben Light's a great guy. Another guest. We've had both Mike McKnight yeah. and, and, and Ben on. You can find that in the back episodes. Two wonderful people. So this section was battling it out with Mike McKnight, kind of. <laughs> that's a, that's our subtitle so uh i linked up with him mike mcknight was having stomach trouble didn't even know that i had gone past them to be honest yeah. sleeping at the last aid station and then we kind of navigated 
this part of the course that like thankfully you have like trackers on your phone so you can see where you're going like you follow the low arrow and yeah. follow the lines um there was like no flags and we're like where the heck do we go guys like and i was so happy i connected with them because i you know i helped they pretty much helped me navigate a little bit and we figured it out got onto the road and then you get to go up the big mingus mountain climb which um mike needed to stop and eat a keto brick that's what ben told me they're like we'll catch up later i was like all right cool cool i start start picking it up on the dirt road go up the climb all the all these climbs they're challenging but you know when when it comes to the beast coast you know running in rhode island i can get tons of just sheer vertical right yeah so i was just i was beasting this climb like in true beast coast fashion i get to the top and it was so cool because it was just as the sun's kind of coming up you can kind of get the views of the valley it was real pretty and then i get to the you know you go through all this stuff you get to the aid station i'm feeling the altitude a little bit i can feel the pressure um coming to the aid um you know get all fueled up it's at this mingus camp which was really cool uh the live stream's going the drones are flying around uh, i'm talking to my dad i'm eating watermelon from you know, the, one of the race directors from uh, Havelina yeah. Jubilee, who's really cool. And uh, eventually Mike McKnight comes strolling in and he's not doing so hot and he's chilling on his chair. And I'm thinking, hmm, I'm doing pretty good at this. I think I'm I think I'm good at this. Yeah. You're I, like, I'm Cole Crosby. I'm the guy I'm who like, ran across I, I New Jersey. I, I think I can handle this. And I was like in seventh place or whatever place I was. Um and then I decided after after a little bit of a refuel, uh, thirty you know thirty minute stop roughly, I uh, felt I was like all right off I go. It was like an eighteen mile stretch without aid, um, and this is when things take a slippery slope. <laughs> so after after that moment of like, you know what, Cole Crosby may have a future in these long distance races. Yeah, right? Look out, Eric Sensman, here I come. Yeah, right. <laughs> Exactly. So then, then begins the descent. And for any of those of you that run Manitou's Revenge or the Escarpment or whatever, well, this descent was right out of that playbook. And I, like a drunken fool, was stumbling down these sharp ass rocks, banging my feet. Ooh, ow, ah, e, ah. Like I didn't know what I, I was. I was so like uncoordinated. It was kind of embarrassing. But like I had to be careful because two steps to my left. I'm falling down 2000 feet to my death. So yeah, you got to be, you know, I was trying to just slow down, be careful. You know, you take your standard P break because, you know, you got to see, you check the live tracker to see where you are in terms of the competition. And then there comes Mike McKnight running down the rocks. Like it's nothing like, Hey man. And so I'm like, Hey, can I run with you guys for a while? So, you know, that's, that began our journey of um, me, Ben and Mike running together for, a long, long, long stretch. And we had a lot of good stories, all that stuff, learned a lot about them. And eventually Mike McKnight just was better on those damn downhills. And about mm, three or four miles before the aid station, we passed some people and then he just kept going and I just had to slow down. I would catch him on the ups, he'd move on the downs. And then eventually I was like, bye, I need more time to chill. It's getting hot. (laughs) So... So at this point, what mileage are we at as you pull into the Sade Station? We're we're past hundred. Okay, so you're still you're still even at the halfway point of this race, and your feet are starting to get shredded. Yeah, so I start to feel the hot spots. I think I got some blisters, but I haven't looked yet. Um, God, I don't want to look right. Right. So, 
I'm thinking, hopefully everything's okay, barring disaster. Um, luckily, part of the course into Jerome, which is a funky town. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a dirt road. So you run the dirt road, it winds down, all that stuff. And um, you run through town and people are asking me like, um, what are you, where are you running to and from? And I'm like, oh, I ran from, ran, ran from Prescott, Prescott. And I'm going to finish in Flagstaff. I, I, I have a like over well over a hundred miles to go. And they're like, Oh my gosh, you know, and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. it, and it's just like, it's just fun. It's just like, those are the moments you have to smile. And I finally get to the aid station. It's like one o'clock in the afternoon and my feet are just going boom, 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 boom. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, we clean my feet and this is where I make a tactical mistake. I end up wearing the same socks. Oh, man, if you only had spent another couple of dollars on another pair of Belega socks, this would have been a problem. I know. <laughs> and uh, so, and I'm like, man, I'm going to, I got to catch I got to catch Mike Maynard. I got to catch people. Yeah. And so um, I get refueled and feeling fine. Then begins the real bad descent. So Mingus was the first punch. Yeah. Down to Conway Creek was the, really the the blow that almost KO'd me. Yeah. Um. So this stretch, you go through town, and then it's just like a ski slope grade, fully exposed, rocks the size of my chest, so sharp that they could cut cut through diamonds, like insane. And there's beer bottles on, out on the trail. There's like glass, broken glass, like probably like some weird mangled lawn chairs and like wow. blog dolls or whatever, right? <laughs> and it was, it was the strangest thing. And I'm just flying, falling down this this trail just trying not to die. And this is where I smashed my toes to heck mm. so bad. And I just knew once I got down, finally down to the bottom, that I was like, I am in deep trouble. And I got 12 more miles to go before the next aid station. So I pushed through it's runnable. You're running down by the water. You go across a Creek crossing. I didn't take my shoes or sock, socks off, whatever, probably a bad idea. I got spice silt in there and all, yeah. all kinds of stuff. I passed another runner get to the aid station. It's like in this like desert venue and I'm in trouble. Mile 120. I'm in trouble. Still not even to the halfway point, And you have had so many moments of <laughs> what am I doing? And you have to be thinking too, at some point as you're going through the desert and it is hot, you got to be saying to yourself, I'm not in new, I'm not in Rhode Island anymore. I'm not in New Jersey anymore. And uh, boy, I, I really wish I was back uh, with those snowshoes on where it's yeah. a little bit colder because you're probably yeah. just roasting at that point. Yeah. And between us, Ryan, you know, because no one no one listens to this podcast Not a that much in detail, right? You know? <laughs> Not a um, just, just kidding. No, you know, this, this is a legit podcast. Um, you heard it here first. But no. So anyway, <laughs> um, I, you know, this my day two was supposed to be my day to crush it. Yeah, I try. I wanted to hold back so that I could really use my foot speed that I have on day two. Yeah. Well, my feet happened, so that didn't happen. So you know, I roll into that aid station. We change my socks. My feet, I had blisters forming, but they're not like massive. Right. My big toes look bruised. They look disgusting. We just say there's no medic at this aid station, so we're just I have to push on to the next one. Right. So heat of the day, I'm running this desert section and. I, it's just so dry. Yeah. Like the altitude is not affecting me, but uh, if you ever want to imagine cotton mouth, like you've never had it before, run Cocodona. Oh yeah. I can I, imagine. 
it was it was so the heat didn't totally bother me hanging out in the hot tub definitely hardens you and prepares you for those kind of moments mm-hmm. in the in the desert heat but the dryness killed me i all like as soon as i would stop drinking water from my mouth my mouth was dry cotton mouth instantly oh wow and so so i fought that through that desert section the guy that placed third place for got for male men um uh what was his name matt oh sorry sorry matt Matt, anyway. something or other. Guess what? Matt's guess what? Matt's not on the adventure jogger. Soon need to remember his name. <laughs> well, he passes me, and I'm just like, I just need to get to this damn aid station. My yeah. feet are on fire. Um, and I'm feeling hot. I get to the aid station. The sun's starting to go down. I'm I'm near the low point. I'm next aid station, Sedona. So come on, Cole, get your butt in gear and let's get going, right? I take it, take a long nap, all this stuff. I'm like, okay, I'm going to push the nighttime because I've been doing great in the nighttime. Yeah. Um, we get my feet looked at. Doesn't look so good, but I it, I can still continue on. All right. I get my butt kicked out. Then I spend 15 minutes trying to find the trail. I use my <laughs> phone and I'm like, where the heck is this dang course? Help me. <laughs> I, had the, I had the volunteers walk out there with me to finally figure out where the thing was. You had to walk down this dirt road and then turn left. Yeah. Duh. Um, <laughs> I get on there and... Then a couple miles in, um, I end up tr- like tripping. I, I thought the trail was level, and I guess the, with the lighting, I misjudged things. So, bam, down Ooh. I went, scraped up my chin, bruised my knee, scraped my knee, bruised my hip, and uh, it woke it woke me up yeah. for sure. Oh, for sure. But I yeah. was pretty. I was pretty rattled. Like I was like, great. Now I'm gonna need stitches. My knee started swelling. That becomes a factor later in the race, and. Again, I'm pushing the Sedona. I got this. Keep going. Well, after that wake-up call, I crushed that section. I was like a man reborn. I was like, I'm gonna get the Sedona. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just keep keep moving forward. Whatever happens, happens. I got this. I'll get to the finish. And things are hurting, but I'm fine. Uh, I pass pass a runner or two in this this section. It's like a dream sequence kind of thing. Um, I can't see any of the red rocks, which is really depressing. And, um, you know, you go up and down by this airport and all this stuff. And eventually you descend down and you're on the road. And I like start sprinting on the road. Cause I'm like, that's what you do when you run a lot of roads. <laughs> you know, that's what happens in road, Rhode Island. Right. Right. Capital cause, roads. Yeah, right. Cause you're like, what? 150, 160 miles in at this point. Why not yeah, put one, down some fast miles? Yeah. 140. You know, I, we got this. And then it goes into this weird trail and I'm just like, what the hell? This sucks. And I'm like, I wish the aid station was like, I I probably could have cut the course and just ran down the road to the aid station rather than going on this random like junky trail or whatever. And, uh, I finally get to the aid station. It's like two in the morning. My feet are hurting. It sucks. All that stuff. The the negative woes, woes me, but I made it to Sedona, which is a huge, huge achievement. And uh, just like a NASCAR pit stop, uh, Ashley, and my dad, get me all tuned up protein shake, massage the legs, give me the water, give me, give me a little electrolyte tablet that works wonders. Boom, boom, boom. All this stuff off I go. And now it's, it's the, this is the overnight part, right? This is like the, yeah. the witching hour. And this part led into the most coolest part of this whole race. So, you know, you're running in the desert all this, all this time. And, just as the sun was starting to come up, I started hearing rushing water. And it turns out that you're in this massive gorge. Yeah. And there's waterfalls everywhere. Everything is green. And it was like the coolest thing. It was like out of Tomb Raider. I was just like, 
I can't believe this is happening. Like this is Arizona. I was yeah. like, shit, this is awesome. All right, I'm getting my fourteen hundred dollars worth. Okay. <laughs> and uh run through there, no problem. Then there's a huge climb called the Kasner Mountain Climb, I believe. Mm-hmm. And that thing was a beast. That was the hardest climb of the race. Loose rock. It was like the opposite of like falling down Mingus. Yeah. Um and I house that climb again. I'm huffing and puffing like uh puff the magic dragon, but I got magic on my side. Um, I get to the top and I look down and I can see Sedona in the valley and it was like the most gorgeous sight ever. So like if anyone runs Cocodona, run it for that climb because the views that you get off of that, like breathtaking. Um, and then fast forward <laughs> because this race is really long and the rest of the parts aren't really that exciting. I mean, I, I um, run on a dirt road, I get to the next aid station, yeah. um, and then uh, I meet the the second woman, uh, Lauren Jones from Hotlanta. Yes, yeah. She's a, she's a beast. Mm-hmm. Hang out with her, eat some ramen, use the bathroom, wipe my tush, you know, nice standard stuff. And then off I go. Um, then this, you're kind of like in the Coconino Plateau. You've yeah. like ascended a bunch of elevation. And um, I'm just, I'm cruising and I'm thinking, man, this is great. Like, I'm going to try and catch Lauren now. Like, I gave her a little bit of a head start, but hey, I can I can I can close it. Right. And then this beautiful dirt road becomes the rockiest dirt road that you've ever been on. I was like, cars can't go on this. Why <laughs> why do we have to go on this? This is garbage. <laughs> and this is remember, this is this is day day two. Yeah. Latent would be latent day no, because you're you're no, day three. Right, yeah, because you've you've gone through two nights already. So you're on day Correct. three at this point. Yeah. So the morning the morning of day three, it yeah. starts to get hot and my feet at this point stepping on those rocks more death sentences like every step is pain i get i get ton crazy blister on the ball of my foot my left ball of my foot yeah so every step on those rocks is like just it's like liquid agony in my my feet right um then i get closer to the aid station i call call ashley call my dad i'm like i am in pain like i am i know i'm only like a mile from this aid station but i gotta lock it in my feet are literally in flames so I walk into the, I finally meet with them. I walk into the aid station after what seems like five hours. Um, and this is Munns Park. This was the, what we call the crux of my adventure. Yeah. Everything that happens after, from here onward, is the most epic storyline <laughs> you have ever witnessed. And this is why you're listening to this podcast right now. So Everything else is fluff. This is, this is the real part right here. Everything else is just kind of like the build up. So we get to Munns Park. I am de- dejected. I go, Lauren's getting her feet taped up. I wait in a medic. I probably, honestly, Ryan, I wasted like probably two hours at that one aid station. Mm-hmm. People are coming in, they're passing me, whatever. There's now a back section that I know we have to do. And I'm just like, I just need to get my feet looked at. I need I need to take a nap, quick nap. I need to reset. Uh, the heat was getting to me, the altitude, the dryness, all of it. Well, what I soon realized now in hindsight was that any time that I took a nap after a big adjustment in altitude, yeah. the altitude effects went away. I would acclimate. Huh. It was as if it was weird, the weirdest thing. So by taking that nap, now the altitude wasn't bothering me as it was before. And I actually gets my butt out of the chair. My feet are like brought back from the heavens. It was just disgusting. Um, poor feet. And off I go wincing like a uh, wounded uh, 
you know, wounded wildebeest or whatever as the lions are coming to eat, eat me up. Right. Um, then, so I'm going in this outback section and uh, speaking of, of lions and stuff, um, what's his face? Um, he plays like fifth and he's, he's like a, um, long, a long trail FKT kind of guy. And he likes to wear like all this like crazy, like lion, like camo t-shirts and crap. Uh, anyway, he comes, comes up to me and is like, Hey, Hey man, you're only like, it's only like a 10 mile sh- section. And I was like, Oh, okay, cool, cool. Um, so I, I ditched a few, a few of my bottles. I'm like, Oh, all right. I got enough for 14 miles. I'll be good. Yeah. So off I go. And this stretch turned out to be a 17 mile out and back. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. So enter, enter cotton mouth, Cole. <laughs> so yeah. So now I'm, um, I'm seeing everybody on the sound back section and I'm looking at my phone. I'm just like, God, can this, th- will this thing like what I'm waiting for a sign, like any moment to say, turn around. And I'm like, I can't believe I have to keep going. I kept right. going. Finally, I get to the turnaround. Well, I have no more fluids in my bottle. Yeah. My Cause bottle- he told you it was only 10 miles. You're thinking it's five. Miles. My bottles right. are tapped out. Right. And I'm thinking, well, I got caught him out. This is going to suck. So I just pretty much suffered the whole rest of the way, whatever it was, uh, you know, 7.7 miles or whatever, um, or eight miles or I don't know. Yeah. Um, and then my dad comes to meet me partly, partly just to like, give me some morale boosts and stuff. Um, right by the entrance of the aid station. Um, I come in there with my tail between my legs again Yeah. and I'm thinking, well, this is going to be a long race. (laughs) 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 This is going to be a long race. Same thing. We take a nap, a quick nap. We do a little refuel and all that stuff. The, the sun starts to go down in that period. Maybe my nap was longer. It might have been like 30 or 40 minutes. Yeah. I, I think I might have said, I, I need some more. Right. And it's dark and um, I am wounded beyond all belief. And then Ashley again comes to my rescue and says, all right, this is a long stretch. This is going to be a marathon before we see you. Like, you're going to do amazing through this section. We believe in you go out there and get it. So fire under my ass off I go. Yeah. And you run down through some neighborhoods. It was kind of cool. Again, I'm not running that fast as my feet are absolutely mangled. Yeah. Um, I have enough, I have enough tape to like fill up a swimming pool, Olympic size swimming pool. <laughs> and that's where I got my money's worth, you know, 1500, $1,400 worth of like Lico, Lico tape or whatever the heck it's called. <laughs> right. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Medics of Aravipa. They were amazing. Um, so, um, yeah, I go through this section. This is, this becomes like my sleep, sleep deprivation section. So, um, everything's fine. You turn, you turn right out of bar. Cause that's just how the course works. That's how you should, should do it. <laughs> right. Go up through a neighborhood and then you enter into what I call the, the ghost pine section. Mm-hmm. So Ponderosa pine, as far as the eye can see, um, you're on this trail that makes no sense. The markers don't make sense. I was so disoriented through here in the beginning, just had to have my phone out there and see where I was in relation to the course. So I did that the whole time. Yeah. Um, I worked my way through, you know, first say 10 to 12 miles kind of textbook, just no problems yeah. pushing the pace. Everyone's sleeping right now. Either there's people out ahead of me and there's people at the, the, the last aid station. So I'm like, yeah, this is my chance to kind of like sneak up on people. Right. Right. I'm like day, like day three is my day, day three <laughs> and four. I got this. And, um, so I'm pushing through things. 
And again, this is high altitude. Like this is beyond 7,000 feet. I start getting tired. Um, my vision starts getting blurry and things start taking a real turn for the worse. So what I found out is that I don't hallucinate the way that most people do when they get fatigued. Yeah. I grapple with reality. I become delirious. And this happened to me in New Jersey. Yeah. Um, but I start to realize that this is what, what my body deals with. So imagine yourself running a race and you're seeing yourself from a bird's eye perspective, not thinking that you in the moment are actually a spectator of you actually running the race, but you're a participant in the race. It's really confusing. So I, I was like outside of my body watching myself run, not thinking I was in the race, but witnessing the recap of me running the race through my own eyes. Oh, wow. So, so you think, so you're going to this section, right? So you're, you're watching the video replay of you running this race, except you're in the middle of the race, but you're seeing yourself from a, a bird's eye view going like, oh, I remember this section. Yeah. Exactly. Wow. It's crazy. So time stands still, right? I start, I was, I was at the slowest doing 20 minute miles. Well, yeah. 20 becomes 30, 30 becomes 40, 40 becomes 50. Wow. I had to look at my splits. Virtually time stood still so much so that I would stop periodically, rest my, my chin on my trekking poles, not off for just a second. It was only a second or a minute or two. And then I would keep on going. I was running against a current of invisible energy. Yeah. It was pushing against me. I, it was the weirdest thing. It was like being in outer space. Um, it was eerie because no one was, no one else was on that trail at that time. The, the Ponderosa pines were white. Yeah. Like ghosts. The starry night sky was creepy too. It was the eeriest thing. Um, and what snapped me out of it momentarily was I sat down on a log cause I had trouble. I was fumbling around through the course. And I pulled up the live feed and I saw that Joe McConaughey finished. I watched his finish and said, holy crap, I'm still in this race. I got to keep going. (laughs) So I snapped out of it for just a brief moment, kept going. I never let myself get to that point to where like, I'm not going to do a trail nap. I don't want scorpions up my butt. I don't want any of that stuff. Right. So I'm not taking that chance. I'll sleep at the aid station. Yeah. Um, I pushed through and eventually I get to a point where, I am so close to the station. I'm a mile away. It takes me an hour and four minutes to go that, that um, half mile. And then another 50 minutes to go 0.4 miles. Wow. Yeah. And so I'm pushing and pushing. And my wife texts me and she's like, you're so, 0.3 miles away. You got this, honey. I love you. You're so close. And my dad texts me and it was like the fire that I needed to like wake my mind up and say like, I believe in myself. I got this. I can push through this. And I push and push and push and it's like pushing against the weight of the world and finally i make it to the aid station i didn't think there was going to be an aid station it was like my hope for it was gone right and this this podcast story is about hope yeah that is the state seal of rhode island and it is the story of my adventure in cocodona and so i had the hope that there was going to be this aid station and my family had hope in me that i could do it and i had hope in myself and i finally made it to the aid station um, it was crazy because I was hiding behind a bush and they're like, welcome, you made it. And I was like, is this a hallucination? Like I had to like make sure I was there. Right. And I was there and I ate some chicken nuggets. I'm a vegetarian, but I eat chicken nuggets anyway. <laughs> oh, well. And um, You were a vegetarian. I, <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I'm going to rest. I'm going to rest for 20, 20 minutes. Wake me up uh, in 20 minutes. Well, two hours go by and it's morning. <laughs> I got there at like four o'clock. Yeah. 
I wake up at six, Dominic Grossman sitting in the chair or comes into the aid station sitting in the chair. And I was like, Whoa, what happened? Where am I? The, the one medic works on my feet, all that stuff. We start talking. I feel pretty like refreshed and I'm like, all right, I'm ready to go. I, I text my wife and I'm like, all right, I'm coming to you. And this is where things get a little bit ridiculous, Ryan. Um, <laughs> my wife hates that I am going to tell this to people, but it's a story that's worth diving into a little bit. So I get onto the trail and I'm heading to the Fort Tuthill aid station. This is like, uh, I've gone, this is also the, I've gone beyond that aid station I just went to mile 205.5. This is the furthest I've ever run in my life. Okay. So we got, we got 40 some miles to go. Yep. So I start booking it eight minute pace. But I, before I do that, I stop on the trail, step off the trail. I have to go number two. Mm -hmm. So I dig a little hole, go number two. There's no one around. I look around just to make sure and start, start to bury that stuff. But I didn't bring any toilet paper. So, um, just to make sure I was, I was actually running the race because I still had that moment. Like, am I watching myself or is this happening? I throw a rock up in the air and, and it lands and I'm like, okay, I thought that and I did that. So maybe that means I'm running the race. And then I'm like, well, if I wipe my ass with the, these sharp rocks, maybe that, maybe that will signify that I'm really in the race. So I do that. And I'm like, holy shit, I'm in this race. Oh my God. What the hell? I got to go. I'm like, I got to finish this thing. And so I, I totally snap out of it. I'm like, I'm like, and now I have a chafe, chafe, you know what? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so I start hauling ass to the next aid station and I get there maybe like a little bit over an hour. So, you know, eight ish minute miles, not yeah. bad. And, uh, I come in there like a bandit. I, I meet the owner of squirrels, nut butter. And he's like, Hey, Cole, you're looking pretty good, man. And all this stuff. And I was like, he's like, do you want a, a lubricant stick? And I was like, definitely give that to me. <laughs> and then it was cool. Cause then my coaches were on the phone, Lindsay and Anthony, and this was like a really fast aid station point. We're like, all right, Cole's, a, he's alive. He's awake. He's going to get moving. He's going to catch people. Like, and I felt totally lucid and it was like complete NASCAR. Like, yeah, we changed tires, boom, boom, boom. And I'm like, let's get it off. I go, and I like sprint out of there and people are like, oh my God, go, go, go. Right. <laughs> Rhode Island. Let's get it. New Jersey, Rhode Island. And, um, and I'm, I'm hauling it. Well, when I, whenever I rush out of an aid station, guess what, Ryan? I forget to bring extra water. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I, I misjudged this section. Well, talk about our favorite photo with my lips all sunburnt as, cra- as crap, wet yeah. lips. So I get to about five miles away from the aid station. I'm out of fluids. So I start sipping on my You Can Edge gels because they're liquidy. And I was like, well, anything I can do to just like satiate my palate, I'm going for it, right? Yeah. So I'm sipping on this stuff. I got caught in mouth. It starts getting dire. I call call Ashley. I'm like, just keep me at, keep. I was like, can you just stay on the phone? She thinks I'm four miles away. I look at the tracker. It says I'm three miles away. And um, I, I'm kind of walking at a 20 minute pace. It's mm-hmm. really hot. It's I'm dying. And I'm like, I potentially could die of dehydration in this race. Fantastic. There goes $1,400 in my life down the drain. Well, nice. And you think about this too. <laughs> if you were to die during your wife's christmas gift to you she's gonna feel horrible for a very long time totally like that's gonna be her tragic story when she finally does decide to date again and she's meeting a fella at applebee's 
She's going to be like, you know, it's been a while since I dated. I bought my last husband uh, a, 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 a race entry to this weird race called the Coca Dona 250. He died of dehydration from my from my Christmas gift, and I haven't been able to forgive myself since. You could have ruined her life, Cole. I know. And this is what's crazy, Ryan. This is a true story. I can't believe that I lived this Mm -hmm. and my crew lived this because you hear these stories all the time, but I lived it. Right. It wasn't a dream. It was reality. Yeah. And so I'm struggling. Eventually I get to a point where I'm like, should I drink my own piss? Like I I just need, (laughs) I just need something. Right. So I I was going to experiment and then a biker comes down the trail and the guy saves my ass. He's like, um, gives me a little talk and says like young man you're not you know th- you're foolish for like not bringing enough fluids all this stuff blah 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 fills up I, I just sip from his bladder he fills up one of my bottles and he's he's like off i go and um that was all i needed i was like and i was like oh the trail angel he saved my ass yeah and, okay, um, so real close yeah. before you, you go too much further how close were you to drinking your own piss before the, the the biker shows up i was really i was gonna go through and really kind of weigh the option as a last resort because i didn't know how bad it was gonna get but i was gonna at least put myself in position to potentially do what i have to do bear grill style to survive because <laughs> <laughs> in rhode island that's what we're taught that's what we have to do you know you got to make hard decisions sometimes <laughs> <laughs> drink your own piss that's on the state seal that's on the state seal it says hope sometimes you gotta drink your own piss (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) that's how they say anchors away right exactly um so anyway so yeah i i was um probably about like two i was under three miles at this point um i started running and um there's a whole thing that ensues with the biker guy at the aid station you know he's freaking out my he makes my dad freak out my dad becomes a pacer and then comes out to come and find me um and he was only uh, at this point i met met him pretty uh pretty quickly it was only like a mile or so through this canyon or whatever ashley's on the phone the whole time so the guy the biker i talked to i mean it sounded like i was probably talking to myself but it was her right all talking to him so i'm sure he thought i was crazy um i was always still there i was just like i was really thirsty yeah yeah what arizona does to you at 7300 feet right right in the heat of the day and uh uh i get a phone call and it's the race command and they're like hey we heard you got some dehydration how's it going cold and i was like oh i'm i'm hanging in i met some guy on the trail and he hooked me up and i was like i hope that one just disqualified me right and they're like no no you're fine like um we we can't control weird happenstance stuff and they're like we'll let it we'll let it slide like yeah. this is this could have been a life or death thing so i'm like all right cool thank you so much i'm like I do not want a DNF at mile two thirty, whatever. Right, right. Because I was ready to drink my own piss, right? right? <laughs> <laughs> so I get to that aid station, and that's where things became viral, right? So there are some photos that were taken. Uh, the medics checked me out. My vitals were fine. I got cooled off. Um, all that stuff. Uh, I hung out there for a little while. I was in good spirits. They asked me some questions, you know, what race are you doing? Coca Dona? What yeah. day is it? I was like, uh, Thursday. <laughs> like I had to look at my I had to look at my phone to figure it out because, you know, when you get Coca Dona mush mush right. mind. And um yeah, and so, you know, I got kind of same same kind of thing, got prepped. 
the the picture that was the famous picture was me like making a funny face while Ashley put Vaseline on my lips. Yeah. So it just is like this like really good like brutal looking picture. But in all fun, in fun and games, I wasn't that I wasn't as bad as what it looked, <laughs> looked like. But I was bad. Um. But you know, like all Rhode Islanders, we bounce back. Um. You know, after a couple punches, we just keep going. And so, in true uh, Beast Coast fashion. I bounced back and said, all right, let's get this thing done. Next thing is summoning Mount Eldon, which is the highest point of the course, mm-hmm. and then a downhill finish. So I didn't have pacers this whole race. That was a pro- I, I should have had pacers. It probably would have made things a lot easier. Yeah. Um, but I feel like it's more of a badass story to say, no, I didn't have pacers. Um, I navigated that course all on my own accord. Yeah. And I had had help with runners along the way, but it was it was cool. You know, it's a cool story. Yeah. And so I did have a pacer for the, the going into the finish. This guy named Nick, he was volunteering, was like, hey, you want a pacer? And I was like, yeah, I love company. Come on, let's go. <laughs> yeah. And off I go, rebandaged foot, feet and all, rising from the ashes, a phoenix rising from the ashes. And we start walking slow. Then we start jogging. We're chatting. He, I, I told him my goal was I need to make it to Ming, uh, meet, need to make it to Eldon before it gets dark. Yeah, or get to the summit before it gets dark. Yeah. he's like, that's a good idea. I'm afraid of uh, being up on mountain summits when it's nighttime. I was like, all right, cool. I'm like, you pick that, you set the pace, and I'll follow. So he sets a good pace. We're going, we're going, you know, mid tenish, whatever range. Yeah, 13s, whatever. It doesn't matter at this point. And this is where things get really like philosophical and just nuts yeah so i was telling people at the aid station that i had run this section of the course during a ragnar well there's no ragnars that go up to elton <laughs> i was telling everybody oh yeah this climb is a really like really great it's like a really wide open climb like it's like it's 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 not that it's challenging but it's like there's big rock shelving and all this stuff. right so this is where i can't explain this ryan i had a complete visual map of the last, uh, what was it? Last, like, whatever, 14, 15 miles yeah. of the course. Perfection. I had every detail mapped out in my mind. Yeah. As if I did a, as if I did a fly through. Yeah. I never watched any videos. Mine is where get in, in, in the finish. It was at nighttime. You can't tell anything. Right. So how did I know all this stuff? I don't know. Divine intervention, whatever it is. It was Cole Crosby, magical power. I have a sixth sense. Wow. I can, I can see the courses, I guess, when I get into this depleted state, I can see see the whole detail of a course. So here I am navigating this course, telling Nick exactly where to go. Turn left here. Oh, we're only a mile and a half. There's three bends here. You're going to see an outhouse there, all this stuff, blah, 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 blah. I'm like calling out all these details that I don't know how I know this stuff, but I do. Wow. Um, and so... Then we finally, after all, it takes forever to get to the climb. I'm like, yeah, three more turns, and then then we get to start the climb. We get to the climb, and of course, as I've been doing this whole time, I beast mode the climb because that's what you got to do. Exactly. So it was cool because every every like with my trekking poles, every move I made was like powerful. It was like I, every plan. It was a planned attack. Boom, mm-hmm. boom, boom, boom. And Nick was like, "Holy hell! Like, how are you doing this right now?" <laughs> And I'm just like, and I, when I would get, feel the altitude, I'd stop for a second and go. <laughs> <laughs> like, and then I'm like, I'm good. <laughs> I just like, it was like uh, Donkey Kong action. right? <laughs> As we get close to the climb, we can see the traffic from going into Flagstaff. 
it was a standstill. It was brutal. I was like, oh, I hope my wife's not in that. Um, and just as it's starting to get dark, we get to the crest and it's three more little loop-de-loops up to the top. And I'm like, all right, one and two and three. And now we got to go on the backside of the mountain. It's just getting dark. Yeah. And Nick flicks, flicks on his headlamp. Well, I don't. I have perfect night vision, apparently, when I know everything about the course. So here I am navigating a windy, it was like 36 degrees. I'm in my t-shirt, like, and he's putting on jackets and I'm just like, whatever, it feels fine. I'm, I live in Rhode Island. Big yeah. deal. I snowshoe, whatever. And um, I'm navigating no headlamp, no light whatsoever. He's out ahead of me, like 400 feet or whatever. And I'm stepping over these boulders and stuff as if it's daytime. Wow. No slipping. No, no. I mean, it was like the strain. It was like, I I could see the trail during the day. I didn't need my eyesight. And so here's where it gets even crazier is that I tell them, okay, it's on the backside of the mountain. It's going to feel like it's going to go on forever. And eventually we're going to see, you're going to see an opening a little like, um, like a, um, like a wood deck. And then it's going to hang left into the station, a white tent with, I think it was like, I said, green Christmas lights. I can't remember, but it said Christmas lights, right? Yeah. Well, guess what, Ryan? White tent wood, with Christmas lights. Wood, wood plank, turn the left, white tent, and, and the Christmas lights. Um, so they moved the aid station from last year. So there's no way that I've ever been up at that exact aid station location. How did I know exactly where it was? That is crazy. It's like you were uh-huh. li- like you were in touch with the universe. You were, yeah. you know, uh, channeling Cole Crosby's in the future, in the past. You were all Cole Crosby's that have ever existed throughout time all at once. Thank you, Sensei. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And that is why running 200s is badass because I have never had an experience like this before in my life. But I did on this. And then I roll into the aid station, right? I'm on, on cloud nine. I got my Rhode Island hat, yeah. not my Cocodona hat, my Rhode Island hat. I was like, yo, party. <laughs> of course, that's the party aid station. So I'm just like high-fiving people. I'm like, we got this. I'm going to finish this race. Hell yeah. And I was seated number 10. And I was at this point, I think around the 10th mail or so. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm going to be close to my my bid number. I'm like, that's perfect. Yeah. Like through all this adversity, like not bad. And then Peter Mortimer, who plays second last year, mm-hmm. he calls, hey, Cole, you want a Modelo? And I said, sure, why not? <laughs> this is on the live stream, mind you. So you actually see me and like they're talking about my dehydration and all this yeah. stuff. I grab the Modelo. I put it in the camera frame, crack it open. <laughs> go, 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 go. <laughs> Here we go, Ryan. You ready for this? Yeah. In that moment, my wife is watching the live stream because it says next runner to arrive, or to, arrive to the finish is Cole Crosby. She sees me chugging a Modelo on live television, YouTube, (laughs) and she starts trying to call my phone. Well, I have my bag down in the corner. I'm just like hanging out, talking to Pierre Moore and being like, oh, this Modelo is awesome. Life is great. Taking my sweet ass time. Mm, Ten minutes go by. I finally go to my bag. She calls me again. I pick up. She's like, Cole, get your ass off the mountain. We are waiting for you. People are coming after you. Adrian is coming for you. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. Hang up the phone. I tell my pacer Nick, I'm like, hey, Nick, I think we got to get going soon. My wife told me that that there's people coming. Get ready. We're going to be, we're going to haul ass down the mountain. Then Sarah O comes into the station. And I was like, oh, Sarah, I love Sarah. Man, she's having an amazing race with me. Tons of adversity, all this stuff. She's the female version of my story. Yeah. And um, I say hi to her. And then I'm like, 
all right, Nick. Yeah, we got to go. We got to go. Because if she came in, more people are going to come. All right. So my so my pack weighs 20 pounds. We had to carry a bunch of mandatory gear. It's a, it's a good safety thing. Yeah. My headlamp is at the very bottom of my pack. I am spending five minutes trying to grab my headlamp and I can't get it. And I'm like, ah, ah, ah. I'm like, Nick, we just got to go. I'm going to follow you. Yeah. So with my cell phone, cell phone light only, and Nick leading the way, I pretty much am running in darkness down this mountain. Luckily, it's a gravel road, but off we go. Yeah. Our first mile, 710. Wow. Next miles, I don't even know because my watch couldn't read it. Maybe the canyon walls or whatever. Yeah. It was going from anywhere from 14 to 4 to 5 to 6 to 3. It was fast. That's all I can tell yeah. you. The Modelo and the ramen noodles were like superpowers, like Super Mario eating the mushrooms. <laughs> and I was... My, my spirit was on fire. And what I mean by that was like, I was, I never felt more invigorated before in my life. I was on such a mission. I had dealt with so much adversity, so much just random stuff that never happens to me in races. And this story was going to have an epic conclusion and boy did it. So we're running down this trail, breakneck pace. I don't, I don't need the light. I know this trail. Yeah. I know two miles down, then then we go down this little gully and we had to hang a le- left up the trail. The trail part, Magatron and, and Pete Mortimer have said that it's a tough section. It's easy to miss, especially at night. Yeah. So that was emblazed in, in, in my mind. Nick goes right by and I go, Nick, Nick, wait, wait, wait. I'm like, hang a left over here. I had my phone too, just to make sure yeah. I wasn't crazy. And we go onto the trail and now I'm like, all right, we're almost to Buffalo Park. If I get to Buffalo Park, it's, it's like, the sprint finish i got this and again we, i don't think we ran any slower than like a seven minute mile wow maybe seven seven thirty seven twenty yeah. my watch when i looked at the recap of my watch and none of it made any sense um but i i looked at the live feed videos to track exactly what my pace per mile should be yeah and it's fast um so we're running through this this trail. I'm telling you, every footfall, perfection. Yeah. I can hardly even see the trail and I'm not tripping over these rocks. I looked at the, the live feed um a couple of days a couple of days ago and was like, I can't believe I ran through that at that pace at night. I don't think I could do that during the day. Right. Yeah. And here I am, like two hundred and forty five miles under my legs, and I am just cruising man on a mission. Twenty pound pack, maybe that helped. I don't know. Right. And Modelo, Modelo and ramen in my stomach and Rhode Island and everybody else in my heart, right? <laughs> That's the sappy stuff. And so, yeah, so I um, proceeded to just kick ass. And, uh, this one section of trail, I tell Nick, oh, this is where they walk dogs. We're almost at Buffalo Park. We just got one, like one more, like three quarters of a mile. Then everyone starts messaging my phone. My phone at this point was at 25% battery. It jumps down all of a sudden to 10 Oh, wow. Low 10. Yeah. I'm thinking, oh, shit. And like, <laughs> if my phone gives out, I, I'm not going to get my headlamp. I'm going to have to yell to Nick, and I'm going to have to, like, walk with him to right. like, be able to see where I'm going. But I have the sixth sense. So, you know, there's 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 faith on my side. Yeah. There's hope on my side. Yeah. And so um, Nick yells at me. He's like, put your phone on, on airplane mode. They can wait. Like, and so I do that. Um, the, the words of encouragement for everybody, incredible. Thank you. And, again, Blitzkrieg pace. Then we hit Buffalo Park. Thank goodness. I got this. It's in the bag. Let's rock and roll. I still had four more gears left to me, Ryan. Yeah. And I proceeded to use every single one. So 
we get to Buffalo Park, then that's when they have the live stream and they're like, hey, it's Cole Crosby. Uh, yeah. And they're like, let's listen to his footsteps. Oh, isn't it therapeutic? And then like they go through that stuff. And then once we um, get onto the road, the the camera guy, I knew he was a like a 420 miler because he yeah. was on the one of those Dylan Bowman podcasts yeah. a long time ago. Yeah. So I knew this guy was fast. And um, he's running with me. I was like, all right, we got this. We're going to haul ass. So we hit the road. Now it's just like a downhill kind of straight shot for the most part. And we start just, I start naturally moving. And when the live stream, they were like, how, wow, he's booking. What is he, what pace is he going? They're like, uh, uh, Chad, he was the, the camera guys, like, uh, six and they start laughing. Then I start picking it up <laughs> and I start picking it up and up and up. I start dropping my pacer. I start dropping the camera guy. He's sprinting to just hold on for dear life to get me in the frame. And um, I believe we were probably at some point going below uh, five. We we're in the 550 range. Wow. With 240 kept... some miles on your legs. Yeah. So, and and it was like this, this wild animal spirit took over me. And I was like, I'm going to finish this race the way I had always dreamed of finishing a race. Like, just like blitzkrieg. Yeah. Like you never get to finish a long ultra like this. Yeah. Um, and I just keep pushing it and pushing it and pushing it and pushing it. And the pace gets faster and faster and it gets so fast. that it, I, I'm just like this little stick figure in the feet. It can't keep up with how fast we're, we're pumping and moving. Mind you, my knee is swollen all the heck. Yeah. Like my feet are decapitated. Yeah. And here I am, no pain, no, like just in the moment, just running, living life. And you know, um, I get some help with, I talk through the turn, the last few turns, you know, I wait for the traffic lights to turn, turn. I try to time it out yeah. from when I could sprint. And then I slow down a little bit into the finish just to make sure I get that last turn. And then I accelerate and boom, right into my wife's arms, 83 hours, 59 minutes. Wow. And I left the, uh, aid station around 8314. So whatever that math is. That's, in, that's incredible. That is absolutely such an incredible finish. You finished 10th male. 12th overall. Uh, Vision Quest. I shouldn't have finished this race, but I did. And it was a testament to, you know, my crew and everybody that was watching, supporting, and whatever celestial spirits were out there that gave me the energy to to do what I did. It was all those Sedona crystals. That's what it was. Something. The magic. I, I mean, it was it was magic. It was just sheer magic. I mean, how do you, I mean, how do you script finishing after all that? I was, I was on death's door with dehydration and then I flipped the switch and just start sprinting. I mean, I, my 5k was nuts. Like that's, I could win most local 5ks at the pace I did at the end. Like what the heck? That's the truth. 250 miles. I don't get it. Um, I saw in the notes, your crew had pretty cool shirts and a name for your crew. Tell everybody what you, what your crew's name was. So uh, we got these T-shirts that say Mopsters and Lobsters, and it's got a lobster with a rifle, and it says Rhode Island. It's a local guy that does screen printing uh, of Rhode Island stuff. So if anyone wants those T-shirts, um, I can buy. Some, you know, we can send me some money, and I can buy you some. They're not expensive. Yeah. Support local Rhode Island business. The guy does cool stuff. Um, but yeah, we, we, we threw down, we threw the lobsters and mobsters threw down the lobsters and mobsters and Cole Crosby representing the beast coast in perfect fashion at the Coca Dona 250. What an incredible story, Cole. That was like unbelievable. I can't believe it. I mean, and that's why I wanted to share it with everybody is because, you know, I think the, the, the theme is hope, right? Like right. if you believe in yourself and others believe in you, that power 
is infinite. There is my body. Honestly, when I finished the race, I felt like if it, if it was an 800 mile race, my body was going to allow me to keep going that distance. As long as I could tape my tape up my feet and my crew was willing to keep sacrificing, we were going to get there. So like, it's amazing what we can do. Plain and simple. The only way that story could have got any better is if you were at the last aid station and you're all out of socks and you're like, my feet are bloody. I need a pair of socks. And your wife reaches in the bag and pulls out the belegas. It's like, I got you, Cole. True. <laughs> True. But hey, a Modelo into the finish and into shabby either. So I guess that's my special thing, you know? I know Neil you. Heron has her beer. I got my my beer. So you're going to get a sponsorship. All of a sudden, we're going to have Cole Crosby sponsored by Modelo, the Modelo Maybe. Ultra Team with Cole Crosby. <laughs> Crazy! <laughs> what an incredible story, Cole. Uh, real quick before we go, what's what's next? Now that you've done this, you've you've conquered the Cocodona 250. What's next on your radar? Hot tub time with the crew boss. Oh, that's all you need. A little hot tub so. time with the crew boss and. Uh, taking enough time to get her a better Christmas gift for this year. Yeah, her birthday's coming up, so I think we got a spa trip maybe in the works. So I'm I'm slowly repaying her back. It's gonna <laughs> again, it's gonna take me a lifetime, but we're you know just like anything, like a 200 mile race, you just got to chip away aid station, aid station. <laughs> <laughs> Very good, Cole Crosby. If you want to hear more from Cole and more of Cole's story, even running across New Jersey, check out the earlier episodes at theadventurejogger.com. It's adventure jogging across New Jersey. Also, there's episodes there with Mike McKnight and Ben Light as well, all at theadventurejogger.com. Thank you so much for listening. By the way, there's gear there as well. If you want to buy some jogger joggers, Go help yourself. Thank you. We are 100% listener supported. You can make a monthly pledge on our Patreon page. Just search The Adventure Jogger on Patreon or go to theadventurejogger.com. Join the community on Facebook and Instagram by searching The Adventure Jogger. And subscribe to The Adventure Jogger wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a single episode.